In a world of Super Nintendo, there is one podcast that's come to the forefront. Soul Blazers, the SNES podcast. Two hosts, many games. It's Super Nintastic. Now playing on an MP3 player near you. Blazer, and I have with me Chad, also known as Lord Chadwick. Uh, welcome to episode three of the Super NES podcast. Uh, I want I want to thank all of you very much for taking the time to listen to this and for, for checking it out with us. Uh, the support has been very good so far in the first few episodes. Can both of us, I really appreciate it very much. Indeed, it's been very, very helpful, and uh, I know the holidays are really time for all of us. Uh, that's why that we had to take a break, a break last week of our regular recording, but we're back now, and hopefully, and hopefully, we're going to go ahead and record on a weekly basis from here on out. Um, there are some special announcements I'm going to have about upcoming podcasts, which I'm going to mention at the end of the show. So stay tuned. Uh, before we get started with today's game discussion, which is Earth Defense Force, uh, let me go ahead and mention a couple uh, notes. Uh, first of all, I want to give some special thanks to some other fellow podcasters who have mentioned this podcast, uh, like another podcast recently. And I definitely want to give some uh, thanks, appreciation for them, like that support. Uh, Willie from the ClecoVisions podcast in Arcade USA has, has, of course, always been very, very helpful. Uh, Ferg from the Target Music Hunter Game by Game podcast has been very supportive. Um, I also got some kind comments from the two people whose names I don't remember right now, I apologize, uh, who run the History of Personal Computing uh, uh, podcast. I, submit, I did a submission to them for the holidays about getting my first computer, Commodore 128D, for their Christmas. And they mentioned some very kind things about this podcast and how it's coming along very well. So I, so I really appreciate them for saying that. Uh, Aaron and Paul, uh, Paul from Retro Obscura have been very supportive. And Michael and Justin from Two Dudes and the NES have also mentioned the podcast a couple of times. So those are all great podcasts you should be listening to if you're not already doing so. They're very... They're very, very well managed and very great podcast. So I really, so I really want to thank them. Uh, thank them again for, for their support. Also, the Retro Junkie Super Show is coming back on air. I don't know if they've already done their first show yet, but Rob and Landon are putting it back together. So, uh, you know, just stay tuned on them, guys. Oh, and also speaking about upcoming podcasts, it looks like we're going to have very shortly a Atari 7800 game by game podcast. Oh, sweet, yeah. That's a system I don't really know very much about, so I'm definitely looking forward to checking this podcast out. Yeah, is that that's a no square gamer, isn't it? I, I think it is, yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Ferg was kind of teasingly saying that he'll eventually get to that when he finishes his current system in like six or seven years. So, <laughs> so I'm sure he's very appreciative of the fact that somebody else is willing to take up that mantle. Oh, absolutely. And uh, also a reminder that the, we're still having the contest ongoing for one more week uh, for your high score contest for the uh, for getting a high score for Knights of the Round, the Super NES. 
If you have a high score in the game, please send them to either myself or Chad, uh, like an email, like through the Facebook page. You can, you, can, you can email them directly to me at the supernspodcast at yahoo.com or, or, or post them to either one of us on Facebook. Um, there's still time to get your submissions in. The grand prize is going to be going to a Skype game of your choice and also a secret super, uh, and also a secret hidden Super NES prize. So I definitely encourage you, encourage all of you to take the screenshots in. Guys, I don't even know what the super secret <laughs> SNES prize is. So, uh, yeah, he's probably doing that so I don't try to rig it. <laughs> also, we do have a group page now. So head on over and like that. The SNES podcast group page. And there is also the SNES uh, podcast page. So, you know, just kind of click the like button. <laughs> okay, so I think we're ready to start getting to our game discussion like this week. Uh, we were talking about this week a pretty obscure shooter for the Super NES, at least early in its lifetime, called Earth Defense Force, uh, developed and published by Jalco. Uh, this game has more than one name. It, it was originally released in Japan under the name Super Earth Defense Force. And the game title screen still says Earth, Super Earth Defense Force. But apparently that fact was never communicated correctly to the marketing department. Because the game label, manual, and box all call it Earth Defense Force. Without the, without the word Super. So, um, it was a trademark of Super NES games to always throw kind of word Super in front of them. There's a lot of Super games um, that are available with the system. I don't know if they were intending to keep the Super or not. But in any event, just, just so you know, this game does go by more than one name. We're calling Earth Defense Force here because that seems to be the most common probate name that it goes by. Yeah, I think a lot of times they put the Super in front of the name when it was on the NES first or whenever they ported it from somewhere else. Which, you know, this was ported, but it wasn't from another console. Yes, actually, Chad, uh, thank God. But, you know, I was going to um, ask you about that. Uh, you were the one who suggested this game uh, to me, because I never had heard of it or played it even uh, back in the day or whatnot. So I know you're a big fan of this game. But did you even know that this game originally started out as an arcade game? I did not. I had no idea it started out as an arcade game. Uh, I started doing my research on it, and I had seen... Well, when I was a kid, I heard rumbles that they were going to try to put a two-player on this game. But I didn't know that it was an originally an arcade game in Japan. Yes, it does not look like the, that the arcade game ever came out uh, like in the U.S. It probably stayed as Japanese-only uh, uh, arcade game, which is, a, which is actually pretty common. Uh, the Japanese the Japanese still have a very good th- arcade market, better than it is like, anywhere else in the world. And a large number of their games uh, are like arcade-only like in Japan. So Yeah, and then uh, this game came out like in 1992. So by then, arcades were kind of on their way down. Right. Uh, the arcade game was originally released in Japan in, in 1991. It got ported to the Super NES in Japan in October, in October of that year, and it came out. It came out in the United States in January, in January of 1992. Uh, this game is still, I think, still currently available on the Wii Virtual Console. It was released for that back in 2011. Uh, so if you want to play the game, uh, besides besides tracking down the Super NES cart, you can also play it that way. And a little bit about Jalco. Uh, Jalco was a pretty prolific publisher and maker of games uh, during the 80s and 90s. The company was around from 1974 to 2006. Uh, Jalco is probably best known for their Bases Loaded series, uh, uh, baseball games like the NES. Um, they really had a bunch of, like in my honest opinion, Jalco was a pretty forgettable publisher of games. They only had a really a couple games, a couple games that they, that they published that I really enjoyed. Uh, the Steinax for the NES is probably, is probably my favorite game published by them, uh, which was a kind of a, a pretty unique uh, action uh, action um, uh, platform game. Uh, very good game for the NES. Uh, I highly recommend it. Just you enjoy that uh, kind of game. But um, Jalco was quite published was quite active in publishing games for a while, but like a claim, uh, their track record was their track record was very hit or miss as far as the games uh, as far as the games that they published. Yeah, um, Jalico, I wasn't really a big fan of those fan of theirs. I mean, they weren't exactly Konami, and they weren't really anything special. They were kind of they didn't suck, but they didn't 
you know, excel either. But um, this game here, they did a pretty good job in my opinion. I know that this game gets really mixed reviews. But um, I don't know. I just, and I don't like sports games to begin with. So, I don't know. Jellicoe really isn't my thing. Yes, uh, I think this is the first game that you and I are definitely going to have some disagreeing opinions on. <laughs> That's okay. This game has got a lot of differing opinions on it. So, as I said already previously, I had not played this game, uh, like, at all, really, until about a week ago. Uh, how did you first get exposed to this game, Chad? What was your first uh, experience with it? Um, my parents had... My parents actually brought it home one day. I it was actually the one of the very first games I had. I uh, it was a blockbuster special. It even had the sticker. It had no box, it had no instructions. Um this was maybe a week after I got my SNES. This was back in 90 92 um, at the end of okay. 92. Uh, may have been the very beginning of 93. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I think I got the SNES from Blockbuster also, but I'm not sure. But uh, this game had to be in the bin. So I'm guessing it was probably at the very end of 1992. Yeah, the fact the game was already in a bargain bin just about a year after its release kind of speaks volumes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like I said, uh, this game I had as a kid, and I played the crap out of it, and I don't know, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit at the time. Well, uh, Earth Defense Force is one of several shooters, space shooters that's available for the Super NES. Uh, Super NES did not get as many critically reviewed or popular shooters as, as, shooters as, as Genesis did. Uh, Genesis probably is better known for space shooters than Super NES does, uh, because because Genesis did have that faster processor uh, and, and, and seemed to be better suited to be able to handle to handle games of this type. Uh, however, the Super NES does have some very good space shooters available for it. Uh, this game this game has some similarities with some other like well-known space shooters that are available on the console, such as the uh, Gradius Three, uh, the R-Type games, uh, Axelay, and Phalanx. So if you're looking for some other space shooters for the system besides this one, those are also some ones to check out. Um, I played a little bit of the arcade game also on Main this week to, get, to, to, to uh, just to compare the differences between the arcade game and the port. And like thanks to the round we covered last time, this game seems like it was ported very well over the, very well over like Super NES. Uh, the main differences between the arcade version and this port is two-player co-op uh, mode was dropped. There were some graphical changes made to better suit the Super NES, and there were some new additional weapons that were added. Uh, this the Super NES version has more weapons and more weapons available to the player than the original arcade game did. Yeah, um, I have a sneaking suspicion they cut two player out because of slowdown. Very likely, yep. You know that it, it, yeah, you know because the Super Nintendo it has a habit. As much as I love my Super Nintendo, when it has too much going on on the screen, it's gonna slow down. And this game already kind of has its fair share of slowdown. And if you try to put another ship plus enough enemies to try to take them both down to make it more satisfying, I think you would probably have a problem. So that's probably a good contribution to that decision. Yes, indeed. Uh, like, I was, uh, like I was saying earlier, um, uh, the Super NES definitely is not as, it def is definitely not as well known for shooters, probably because of that slowdown issue that you just mentioned. Uh, like for example, I love Gradius Three, um, but there is some serious slowdown in that game, uh, like every now and then. So uh, uh, unfortunately, most of the shooters in the system do have that problem. Um, however, uh, this game does have a lot of other redeeming features to it. You know, it definitely make it at least worthwhile checking out. Um, Chad and I, as I already alluded to. Have different opinions as to overall enjoyment and the uh, frustration with the frustration like this game, um, but there is some definitely unique factors uh, to this game that they that definitely make it like we're talking about. So let's get into the game discussion and we'll start hammering out some of the differences. The plot of this game is pretty basic. You're basic. Most shooters don't really have like deep, complicated plots anyway. Uh, there's an evil empire that established that established a base on the dark side of the moon, and they're developing a secret weapon that that they can use to destroy all life, uh, like on the Earth. So the Earth Defense Force, or sorry, the EDF, uh, sends out their super top secret uh, XA-1 fighter 
uh, to soft them, and that's what you're controlling like in this game. Uh, this is a horizontal shooter that has six stages, and all the enemies are coming at you in your basic straight patterns. Uh, memorization, uh, uh, memorization is key to being able to get through some of these stages and trying to learn the patterns that the enemies attacking you at. Uh, each level is pretty long. I don't remember. I don't remember any of the space shooters that have stages quite as long as this one does. Uh, so there definitely is some long stages of gameplay here, which definitely can have some issues. Issues we're going to allude to later on. Most stages have mid boss. All stages have end boss. And there's also so there's also points you can earn in the game, which are very important for several reasons. And you can also have the ability to be able to choose your weapon at the start of each, start of each stage, which is critical because certain weapons are better suited to handle certain enemies at certain stages. Yeah, I find myself spamming certain weapons quite a bit. I don't know, as far as other shooters go, there are no power-ups in this game. So whatever you have going on, like you can't just shoot a little weapons drop in the middle of the game and get a spread gun or something like that. Which, I kind of like it quite a bit because it gives off a kind of a survivor kind of thing going on. Um, and it, it really lends itself well to trying to concentrate on the gameplay itself. Because you're going to have to dodge a lot. And when I was a kid, just like a lot of these games, it's really kind of pattern based. You have to memorize the patterns and the diff and the and the differences of the enemies, but at the same time, they're always going to come at you the same way. So it can kind of get boring after a little while. Other than that, after you play the same stage uh, a few times, you should be able to get by them at, you know, with no problem. And once you do it once, you can pretty much do it anytime you want. So um, other than that, I, as far as other games go this game can get pretty simple the weapons are pretty easy to use and that kind of thing let me just take what chad said and try to condense that down into like you know like 10 or 2 10 or 12 like keywords here this game is in very simple patterns but it's very very difficult and it's very frustrating to play the first time through uh if you play this emulation you're going to abuse the hell out of safe states this game can get very frustrating to, to frustrating to you. Uh, you. You can pick um, you can pick the play either normal or normal or hard mode when you start the game. Normal is enough to kick your ass the first times through, definitely. So, <laughs> definitely. Um, so um, this game does have some very unique features to it, however, that kind of make itself stand up above a, 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 like other space shooters uh, of this like of this type. Uh, one of the main differences, like is how like is how your um, uh, uh, shields and lives and continues are handled, uh, which are all like pretty unique uh, compared to other space, sh space shooter games. Uh, you only have one life like in this game, but to help you with that, you also have what's called shield points. You can see on the screen that you start each life off with three shield points, and they're reflected by points. And every time you take a, a, a every time you take a hit, you lose like lose a level uh, like that shield. And you can earn additional shield points as you go through the game once you've earned enough points, but that's very hard to do. Uh, there can be more than five shield points, but five shield points is the max is the max that's shown on the screen like at any one time. If you lose all your shield points, however, your ship gets destroyed, and that's it. You're tossed back at the beginning of the stage, no matter where you are on that stage. So, for example, if you get all the way to the end boss and you lose, tough luck. You're going all the way back to the start of the stage, so you do it all over again. Um, and it's very, it's very easy, it happened to me numerous times, to get trapped in a corner or something and get nailed, boom, 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 right away, lose all your shield points, and, and bam, game over, back to, back to the game stage again. And you only get three credits per game. So until you get to, so until you get a feel for things, until you get a handle of the game and how it operates and the, and, and the patterns of the enemies, it's very frustrating and very difficult to try to make any progress in this game. Yeah, the the slowdown doesn't really hurt doesn't really help a whole lot either. Um because when the wep when the enemy fires its weapons, all of a sudden your your uh, your screen is just absolutely filled with I don't know, cannon or laser or whatever. But the game makers kind of helped you with this 
with a couple of satellites. The satellites kind of rotate around you, and they can act as shields for the uh, the weaker the, the weaker stuff, like the uh, the weaker weapons and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, it it helps. But, uh, right, yes. Uh, yes, indeed. Those satellites are a very important uh, part of the game also. Um, think of them as options, like in the Gradius games. Uh, you get two of them to start with uh, by the beginning of the game, and that's all you ever earn is two. However, both your weapons and your options can be upgraded in levels as you go on like in the game. We're talking about weapons here in a little bit. But with the satellites, you have the ability by pushing a button on the controller uh, to be able to move them in different positions depending upon what level that they're at. And those and these options can also that can also reflect uh, or absorb really enemy shots, as Chad was just talking about. Uh, at the beginning of the game, you have two positions available available for your satellites: Union, which is just basically having the satellites bunched in bunched in with your ship, contrary to your firepower, uh, and rotation. Which causes the two of them to rotate around you, uh, around you in a circle. Um, as you defeat enemies, you earn points, and, and as you earn enough points, you, you'll see a bar at the top of the screen fill up, and it's, a, it's like an experience gauge, like a role-playing game. Once you once you fill up here, if you fill up, once you fill up that level all the way uh, by gaining enough points, you, you feel like you gain a level. And as you gain levels, both your weapons and your, both your weapons uh, upgrade in power, and you're and you also get the ability to be able to put your satellites in different formations. You gain the ability, you gain the ability to do the shadow formation, formation um, at level three, which allows you to be able to. That's the that's the train one, uh, uh, Chad, right? The one that allows you to be able just to sneak them out behind you. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that's the, yeah. Those are, that's the ones that you can just kind of um, put behind you and kind of go like that. But yeah. And then finally, level five. Uh, you gain the ability to put this the put shots to put the satellites uh, into the homing formation. Um, can you so you probably can explain that formation better than I can, Chad? Uh, that formation is a lot easier to use uh, with certain weapons like the photon and that kind of thing. Whenever you get to the, get to that level, it can really help you out a lot. When you first start out, you're unless you have homing or laser S. You can only shoot straight forward. Now, when you have your uh, when you have your satellites rotating, you get your special weapon, which is like uh, I don't know really I don't really know if it's your special weapon or if it's your primary or what because you you never use it up. Uh, something I've noticed also with this game that you're just talking about, you have to, you also you always have with you all the at all, at all times in the game two different kinds of weapons. You have a primary weapon and you have a special weapon. Primary weapon is just your basic beam gun. Your ship always fires. That always fires for that always fires like the ship itself. You know, it's normal basic laser, so like it does moderate damage, like an okay weapon to use. Your special weapon is one of eight weapons that you eight weapons that you, uh, that you choose from to, to, to the beginning of each stage. We'll talk about the weapons here in a moment. Uh, but the weapons actually come at your options. Importance of information is important. Then you can position position your options in a certain way. The weapons back up. Uh, the main gun that your ship's firing, so it's just like a very nice touch. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, like the homing satellites going around, um, it really helps quite a bit whenever you have that photon because whenever you have those out, it can just go anywhere the enemy is, and you can actually use your your beam weapon or your laser or whatever, and you can take out other enemies with your ship itself. Other than that. Enemies will come at you from absolutely everywhere. Yes, they will. They will come at you from behind. They'll come at you from below. They'll come at you from the top. They'll come at you from the sides. And a lot of times, they'll do all that at once. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, it really helps when you first start out, before you get your shields upgraded, to have either homing or your laser S. Um, I have seen videos where people use like the uh, like the atomic or something like that, and then you can have your satellites bunched in, and you use just like your homing or or whatever. And on certain weapons, that helps quite a bit. I'll get into that whenever we discuss weapons. But uh, yeah, that homing upgrade is absolutely a godsend whenever you want to use other weapons like your photon. It's too bad it just takes you it takes you so long to be able to get it because level five is very hard to get. 
Uh, it is very hard to get. Um, one of the nice things is you have to absolutely just hammer at it and get as many perfect scores as you can. One of the nice things I do like about this game, however, like is if you die and have to start over again by using one of your credits, you still maintain all the experience, uh, all the experience, like the level of same level that you're currently at. So there's a, I have spammed that before. Yes, um, <laughs> so it is very helpful to be able to. You know, the game kicks you in the ass enough by sending you back like the game of a stage. At least it starts you back level one. That is, like, that is one thing I, I really do appreciate like, about the game. Yeah, and you know, it's a lot better than a lot of shooters out there do. Because if you get shot and you, uh, you got your you got your power-ups and stuff like that going on, and then you're like halfway through the game... And there are no more of those power-ups, and you're about to come up against the boss. So that's a pretty good deal right there. Yes, indeed. Um, one other thing that levels also do for you, as I as as like alluded to before, besides besides increasing the, the, the information that you have for your satellites, they also... You know, they also boost the level like your like your weapons. Um, at like higher, like higher levels, your special weapons uh, gain the ability to be able to do like more damage. Uh, like they're also like a lot more, like a lot more useful. Um, there is there is also a huge secret bonus. If you can finish the stage without getting hit at all during the course of that stage, you receive a massive uh, a massive experience bonus. Uh, good luck to you if you can do that because I never was able to do it. Um, but if you do manage to, to somehow get through a stage without getting hit, you can very easily you can very easily shoot up a level two thanks to the massive secret bonus. I uh, when I was a kid, I did that. I got to where I mean I could finish whatever level I perfect. But then there was also if you kill all the enemies on the screen, if you don't miss any enemies, you get a, also get a huge bonus off of that. Oh, okay, cool. I wasn't aware of that. But... Yeah. Yep. You can that's a pretty nice feature. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, that's why I always get, like, homing or something like that at the very beginning of it, so I can kill all the enemies on the screen. Let's talk about those eight special weapons uh, that you can get in the game, then. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, you have the ability to be able to choose your weapons by any time you start a stage. Um, and certain, certain weapons do come in very handy in certain stages. Um, so the eight weapons you can pick from are Vulcan, Laser, Atomic, Homing, Explode, Super Laser, which is what you call in the game S-Laser, uh, Grenade, and Photon. Um, and Chad, why don't you give us the rundown, like a rundown of each weapon and pros and cons of each one. Okay, the Vulcan, which is basically your spread gun, um, it's really, really good whenever you have the homing. A lot of these, these weapons have uh, whenever you have your homing satellites. But um, just starting out, you're going to get your butt kicked because enemies come from the very top. And you can kind of just get at the very top just before you get hit or run into anything. And you can maybe uh, – you can kind of put your satellites in rotation mode and you can take out enemies that way. Yeah, the Vulcan seems like a good gun to have like your experienced player. Yeah, it's very good, especially whenever you are coming up against a lot of enemies, whenever you're going to get swarmed, and it's also very good whenever you uh, you level it up. So, uh, Laser is a straight shooting, long range, very powerful. Um, it does take maneuvering to use it. It's kind of slow. You have to do a lot of a lot of moving around to try to avoid getting hit because those enemies will come up from everywhere. I know I, I can't stress that enough, though. The uh, the laser is really awesome, especially on the stronger enemies. So again, the uh, whenever you level up those satellites to homing, it comes in very handy. Which which is probably why I didn't like the laser all that much because I almost never got the satellites up to level five. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't like a laser a whole lot either. Uh, it it was too slow for me. Um, it took out enemies, but by that time you were getting swarmed by the smaller enemies. So true. So you know, so yeah, especially in like the space level, the the second space level. Um, it's the second level which is in space. Sorry, <laughs> and you're getting swarmed everywhere. The laser, it'll take them out, but you're going to get hit. You're going to get wiped out. 
So, um, yeah. Atomic is... It's pretty good. It's not really a short range so much as you have to... It's explosive weapon that takes out multiple enemies in groups. But um, you kind of have to plan out whenever it's going to explode. So whenever you uh, you plan that out, yeah, you, you, you kind of have to watch your enemies and that kind of thing. It, it takes some use, but, you know, you can get pretty good in, its, in, its, in using it. It's very strong, especially when they're coming in groups and they're about to wipe you out, and it really helps quite a bit. This definitely seems like a weapon that also like be very useful once you actually get into like a high level in the game, like level like four or five. Oh yeah! When by that time, I mean it takes up such a large space that it'll wipe out a lot of the weaker enemies and some of the stronger enemies in about one or two hits. And that is absolutely just oh, you have to have that because you can't have enemies just sitting there on screen because just because they're there doesn't mean that it's going to keep other enemies from coming in because this game is very how do i say this it's very programmed to be when you enter a certain part of the screen the enemies are coming regardless of whether or not you you want them to like in other so, words cheap yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> homing I spam the crap out of this this weapon. Uh, it's basically one of the most useful weapons in the game to me. I uh, whenever you start out, it's very very weak. Um, it takes a lot of hits to take out some of the stronger enemies. But once you level up, even to level two, you can really see the difference in its use. Um, Whenever you're in the second space level or whatever like that and you're, you're getting swarmed, it really helps out taking out those enemies as they come. Um, but whenever you're getting swarmed with the stronger enemies, you have to um, you almost have to have your, uh, your satellites rotating and use that in conjunction with your conventional laser weapon. Yeah, the homing weapon was definitely my weapon of choice, like most of the game, because because I just like games that have homing weapons in them for like, the most part. Uh, yeah, like even though it is kind of weak, like it is very helpful uh, to be able to to be able just to, to be able to, to be able to have it have to have it to help take out the sworn enemies sworn enemies uh, that are flying at you. Uh, for example, in stage one, I find it very handy to stay kind of, to, I find it very handy to stay kind of near the bottom of the screen and use the main gun. Um, the main gun of the ship to take out those they, uh, the stronger enemies, those satellites, those satellite uh, uh, like enemies. While the homing weapon takes out to take takes it takes out the mission of ships coming in at you. Yeah, that's the way I use them. Uh, it's it's really helpful to have that uh, to have that primary or or your conventional weapon to have that done. Um, it and and you're gonna have to. It really helps to be able to fly around and not worry about hitting your your enemies. So, <laughs> that's why I use it. Um, explode. It explodes in different directions when it strikes the enemy. When you're first starting out, it's kind of bullcrap. Because <laughs> it's only going to, whenever you strike an enemy with it, it's only going to shoot out two directions. It's going to go vertical only. But, as you level up, it starts taking on different directions, and by the time you're done, it can do a lot of damage. I use this weapon once and never touch it again. So, <laughs> right? I don't use it a whole lot either. It's not really my weapon of choice. The S laser is another one of my favorites. Um, whenever you're first starting out, it's not near as fast as homing. It's kind of like a homing laser, and I used to thought it stood for slicing laser, or slice laser, or whatever. I didn't know what it stood for, and um, yeah, I just assumed it stood for super super laser. Um, but you may be right because I, I couldn't find anything 
Because I can't find anything definitely same with the S34 either, but usually, but usually when I see S, like, I think Super. Oh, yeah, yeah, so. it's probably Super, just because it's on the Super Nintendo. <laughs> but, yeah, um, it actually goes through your enemies to hit other enemies. Whenever you get your weapons leveled up, this becomes my weapon of choice, just because of the sheer strength. It's not near as fast in searching as your homing, but... I love it. So anyway, like I had the same same yeah I had the same thoughts on it um, that you just mentioned. It's a very handy weapon uh, once it's, once it's getting leveled up. It's probably my second favorite weapon in the game next to the uh, homing weapon. Yeah, yeah. Now photon, photon is pretty good whenever you actually level up. But the big thing about this is it has a couple of different uses. Uh, whenever you have your shields bunched into your ship, you can kind of charge it up and use it as kind of a battering ram slash shield. Uh, you can hold your fire weapon and hold it out in front of you and kind of just charge in. And it's really useful on the weaker enemies because you can just kind of bore in and go from up up and down and just kind of take them out that way. Yeah, the Photon is definitely one of the strongest weapons that you can get, uh, like in the game. I find it to be very handy, but I find it to be very handy to how to take out bosses. Oh, yeah. Now, when they're spread out, you can't do that, but it does take on a different strength of its own. Uh, it, you, you kind of still have to charge it up, but not near as much. Um... And you can, it really, like Greg says, it really does a lot of damage. Now, this weapon, whenever I level up my satellites, this also becomes my weapon of choice just because of the sheer damage it can do to the stronger enemies while you take your secondary weapon and or your conventional laser weapon and you can do damage with it. So it kind of... Later on, it really does its it really does its job. Um, grenade, strong but very short range. Um, it's it takes a lot of planning to use this weapon. Uh, you kind of it can destroy enemies in groups, but it's not near as useful as atomic. Um. Definitely agree. This weapon seems like another. This weapon seems like another weapon that's probably best left, best left for experienced players only. It is. Uh, this weapon is kind of if you want a challenge for the game. Um, if you I think the game's not challenging enough. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, this uh, this weapon, you you kind of you have to get up close to these stronger enemies. But whenever you're only about to level two. It takes about two hits to take out the stronger enemies, but you have to be right up on them. And you kind of have to plan out the range of when it's going to explode. There's a lot more risk in using it. So the eight weapons that the game has uh, is limited compared to some of the games as far as numbers, the numbers and options available. But some of these weapons are very unique. I can't think of any of the space games that have like that have like certain kinds of these weapons. However, so I do give the creators uh, points for points for at least coming up with some uh, creative uses of the weapons. Uh, Chad gave a very good summary about the weapons, like right there. Uh, pretty much like to come down to personal choice. Once you get once you get used to the game and how it plays and everything, you'll find that certain weapons do certain do certain things better for you at certain stages and certain levels. So the rec so the recommendations that Chad just gave are very very good. I think for just starting off uh, playing this game, keep in mind if you've not if you like me are coming to this game without having any previous knowledge of playing it before. Now the very big thing is you don't have to level up weapon by weapon on its own. You can take homing, spam it up to about level three, and then go choose the S laser. Whenever you level that up, you can go to photon, and by level five or six, you're good for a while. 
So let's talk about the gameplay design a little bit. We already talked about it some. Um, this game, this game mostly takes place in space. Uh, like I said earlier, there's six stages, so six stages like in the game. There are some, there is some good variety in the stages that the game tosses at you. Uh, there's an earth stage, a space stage, two space stages actually, uh, swamp area, uh, very large, big, mean looking bosses that definitely can be very challenging. Uh, and difficult to try to figure out how to beat the first time through. Uh, most stages have mid bosses that are, can also be very can also be like very difficult. There's there's even the, so there's even there's even one area of the last stage stage six in which you're which you're forced to fly backwards for short to fight for a short time, which is very unique. I can't think of any other game that does anything like that to you. So very challenging. Uh, Pretty pretty good level design altogether, I thought. There, like I said, there's not many, there's not as many stages in this game as there are with as there are with like say R-Type or Gradius. Um, but what's here is what's here is done like in a very challenging and can at least in at least varied way of presenting the stages to you. Um, yeah, you know, I, I wish that they had taken that stage that you fly backwards and made it its own stage. To where you had to fight different enemies and that kind of thing. I found myself really wanting to play that whenever I got to that level. It was very difficult. It was, just, it was very unique. You can appreciate the novelty of it, but I'm glad it didn't last me longer than it did because it's very, very difficult also. As the game's not, <laughs> like, as the game's not, luckily, however, uh, as Chad mentioned, uh, there is slowdown every now and then in certain areas, certain areas like to really help. Uh, like, like a most, like a most Super NES games, uh, the slowdown happens. Well, not just with Super NES games, it happens with NES, Genesis games, and other consoles also. Uh, slowdown can actually be very helpful to you in certain areas, because slowdown usually happens when you're, when you're in an area where there's about 40, 40, 50 enemies coming at you like all at once. Um, so at least it gives you time to at least think about a little bit more carefully as to what you're trying to do and help you to survive, help you survive some key difficult areas. Uh, I've noticed playing this game in emulation that from looking at it uh, vis a vis uh, with screens, like, like videos online uh, that have been taken from the cart, the emulators handle the system a little bit better than the actual hardware. So you don't get as much slowdown with this game in emulation as you do on actual hardware, meaning that if you're not very good at the game, save states become even more important because you're not going to have the quote unquote benefit of the slowdown and helping you out in your, some very difficult areas. Um, so, and the enemy patterns also can be very different in how they come at you, which also which also adds to the frustration and the slowdown effects. Certain areas, it doesn't feel like the game's very well balanced. Certain areas, there's enemies that come at you furiously, and other areas where there's like almost no enemies around you. So, it's, like, so it's not constant enemies coming at you like in many other kind of shooters. I kind of feel like they give you breathing time after those. <laughs> but yeah, um, you, you kind of go through these crowds of enemies. And then you kind of come through this one area. And then you just kind of, oh, yes, okay. Now you just kind of gather your thoughts for the boss fight. But I found myself looking around kind of like, oh, what now? And there are several seconds to where you really wish that something would happen. And then there are the mid-bosses. When I was first playing this game, um, there was a... In the swamp level, you have to fight this mid-boss. And this mid-boss, if you don't know what you're doing, it's going to take you out. And I remember having the fight of my life trying to figure out his pattern... And how to figure out where he's going to shoot next. And I finally take him out. And I'm like, oh, yes, this level is over. And then you keep going. I'm like, oh, come on, <laughs> really? That wasn't the guy? So, uh, anyway, yeah, that that level right there was especially long. Because by the time you got that mid-boss, you were already done with the Earth stage. Which is kind of curious because, like, you would think that, based upon a description of the game, that given these long stages and the stages and whatnot, the game's actually quite long. It's not. A good player, a good player, once you get good at the game, can get through the game in about 30, 60 minutes. So, I mean, compared to other space shooters, space shooters, it's kind of short. You know, when I was a, when I was a kid and I finally got in, when I finally got into the pattern, 
I got to where I could literally finish the game Damn. in 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah, that was that was actually when I got into it and I had the patterns done and I was using my uh I was using let me see photon all the time. I uh, and I could wipe them out so quickly. Um and I don't know, it was it was pretty <laughs> easy for me eventually. But before then, before I actually got everything figured out, <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> well, I guess that means that. So I guess that. I guess that means I don't have as much patience for things like you do then, because uh, it can get very, very frustrating very, very quickly. Oh no, no, I have, I have, uh, I have ADHD. <laughs> so if I get frustrated, it's going to be a long time before I come back to it. <laughs> Uh, so the graphics and sound of this game, the graphics and sound are very typical, I think, compared to any other early Super NES games uh, like this time period. Um, the graphics are decent. They get the job done. They're not spectacular, but they're not terrible either. They show off, they show off the Super NES 16-bit abilities quite well, I think. Uh, there's some very nice scrolling backgrounds in some stages. Um, the, 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 the ships the ships are large or small in some cases. Uh, 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 like like vivid colors, uh, good detailed most of them. Uh, pretty good graphics. Um, to kind of fix the whole uh, anime slash cartoony look of the game, you definitely can tell it's a Japanese game. Uh, it definitely kind of has a Japanese feel to it. The graphics, but of the color, the color schemes used, and that kind of stuff. Um, but the graphics are very the graphics are very good. Uh, like for the game, I thought. Oh yeah, they were they were beautiful to me. I, it's kind of one of those, um, come home, uh, the, the music is very ambient, it's very easy listening, and the graphics itself, the graphics themselves are just, I don't know, they're, they're calming to me, and I can kind of come home and just relax and lose myself in the game and mm. get my thoughts off of, uh, right. off of work, so, anyway, it's a very good, I don't know, 30, 40 minute, just kind of get your mind off about the music. The music really, really was surprising to me the first time I heard it because I was used to space shooters usually having these very, uh, hard beat techno sounding fast, fast paced musics. Like the, the kind of songs that, uh, Gradius and R type have. And to have a more easy listening, as you, as you call it, soundtrack to the game really almost kind of seems out of place. Uh, just, it's not, it's not typical what you'd expect to find in a space shooter. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's kind of, um, it doesn't have that, the very big, you know, kind of like, uh, Raiden or, or one of those. I, it doesn't really have that kind of thump to it. Uh, it's really just kind of what you would just kind of listen to to, to chill or whatever. It's not even lose yourself into it if you want to. Uh, so I guess the last thing we talk about here is just the overall, the overall like replayability of the game. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, there are two difficulty levels to this game, normal and hard. Uh, I never tried hard because I was afraid to. Uh, maybe Chad, you could talk about a little bit what the differences differences that you noticed yourself between the two difficulty levels. The hard level it takes a lot, a little bit more to take out enemies, um, and they will absolutely come at you with no mercy. The fire and everything coming at you, it it it, it kind of swarms the screen. Um, you can still kind of just kind of ease yourself between certain shots and that kind of thing. It does leave you a way out, but if you get yourself into a corner, it's going to take you out quick. Any kind of any kind of mistake and. You're what do you think about the bosses like in this game? I thought most of the boss design was pretty was pretty um, typical with typical space shooters, but I did kind of appreciate the novelty that some of them had with their with their designs and weapon choices. Uh, some of the bosses can be very very difficult, and the last thing you want after fighting your way through a fifteen minute long stage down to like no shield points is run into like a murderous boss and get your butt kicked in like five seconds. Um, but I thought the bosses were pretty well done for the most part in this game. Uh, the bosses, I thought they kind of played it safe. 
um, the design and that kind of thing, they're pretty cool. Um, I especially like some of the yes. robotic kind of things. Um, and they were, they were very nice. Uh, the swamp stage, you actually fight a big robotic shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's, it's, it's actually pretty good. And then the, uh, the mid boss of the second stage, you almost think that's the main guy for that oh, yeah. stage because he will charge at you and come at you. And if you're not careful, he's going to wipe you out. There's um, really nothing to Sorry, I can see. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I can kind of see what they're where they're going for it. I, you know, they don't want to make it too easy, but at the same time, you're kind of like, oh man, really? I just went through that wave of enemies, and you have given me <laughs> no help. So anyway, yes, this game is definitely it was definitely like challenging the first challenging the first the first time or the first dozen or hundred times that you first play through it. So, uh, to finish up the gameplay discussion, let me mention some, uh, like some codes and secrets to the game, uh, that I got courtesy of a, like a file on the game FAQ site. Um, this stuff may be very, ha- may be very handy to you when trying to get used to the game the first, to the first few times. Uh, there is a way to gain, so there is a way to gain, like, invincibility in this game. Uh, to do so, start a new game, like then pausing immediately after starting it. Once the game is paused, hit uh, A, B, X, Y, right, left, up, down, left, and right, and, and then take the game off the pause. Uh, that'll give you like invincibility like for the whole game. Um, there's also a way to be able to level up the to, 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 to be able to gain levels in the game uh, right away without having to uh, beat any enemies. Um, again, pause the game right after you start it. Then, simultaneously on Control 2, push the L, R, and the down buttons, and you'll gain a level immediately. I have no <laughs> idea. I think I accidentally put in that invincibility code really? at one point. Because, the, yeah, I, I thought the game had glitched out on me somehow. And I actually beat the game one time with that. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, let's talk about pricing now. Uh, Compared to other past Super NES games that we've talked about that have been very expensive, because I'm sure everybody knows right now Super NES games are in a bubble, um, I was pleasantly surprised to find out that because this game is kind of obscure, uh, one, a copy of the game can be had for pretty cheap, actually. Um, there's not many copies of this, uh, of this available on eBay or, uh, eBay or that have been sold recently. Uh, I only found uh, four games... Four copies of the game that have sold in the last nine days, and and there was and there was as of a few days ago six copies of the game listed. Um, however, those sold listings were encouraging. Um, the card only of the game sold as like sold only for between three three nineteen dollars. Um, there was there was one complete listing of the game CIB that sold for thirteen dollars, and and there was also a box only a box only that sold for eleven dollars. So you can have this game pretty cheap for like about like. Play for like you know five ten bucks plus shipping, so like uh, so on the so on the good hand, this that the low price definitely reflects the fact that this game is obscure. So this is definitely a game unlike the last couple of games we've talked about that you can snag a copy for pretty cheap. Yeah, um, and it's very worth it. I for the price of the game, you can pretty much pick it up. I um I have two copies of it because one my label <laughs> sucked, and then. I saw a copy of it in a game store in the town over next to me. And the label was very clean. But on the side of it had a Blockbuster sticker. And I was like, holy crap, maybe that's the one I had as a kid. So <laughs> I picked it up just because. So Yeah, and those Blockbuster yeah. labels can be very difficult to get off too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I left it on. Just okay, then. Uh, in summary, uh, let us both make our pitches like this game, like either like pro or con. Um, I will let Chad go ahead and talk about... Chad, go ahead first talk about talk about why he loves this game so much like, and why you definitely should play it. All right. Well, um, a lot of mine is going to come from... Just from nostalgia. Uh, just coming from that. But... Um, I actually, I absolutely love this game. I it may not kind of compare to 
other games like Axelay or whatever. But I do appreciate the simplicity of it. I appreciate that there aren't any uh, power-ups or any anything like that. Um, I do like the fact that you can just play the game. Um, and I do like the fact that you can memorize the patterns, kind of strategize your weapons. I can take each of these weapons and do pretty good on it. And uh, you just kind of have to, nothing is useless, but, I mean, it is a little bit more difficult to use certain weapons, um, and I do like the challenge of it. Um, for the price, for anywhere from 3 to 10 to 20 bucks or whatever like that, it's not worth 20 <coughs> It's barely worth 10 but at the same time, if you can get it for less than 10 go ahead and get it because you're going to love it. I definitely agree with a lot of what Chad just said right there. Uh, this game can be somewhat simplistic. Um, my sentimental favorite for space shooters is definitely Gradius 3 of the Super NES because I had that game almost right after I got my system. And you can pick up so many options in that game, so many weapon configurations, so many ways to customize your ship that to be limited to only eight special weapons and only having one special weapon each and only like three measly shield points and no way to be able to gain extra shield, I'm sorry, um, uh, like no way to be able to gain extra lives or whatnot, really made this game seem very limiting to me. Um, I hated the fact that you could toss all the way back to the game of the stage like after you got killed. Uh, it's very easy to, it's very easy to get, to get killed in this game, especially if you get pinned into a corner, um, and you don't have a chance to be able to get out of there, get out of there before your shield points are drained. Um, I do appreciate the unique facts that the game has to offer. Uh, being able to customize the firepower, uh, definitely for each stage is a nice touch. And being able to directly control your options, um, like in those ways and to get levels to, uh, to boost both your option abilities and the power your weapons is very nice. Um, the game is very, very challenging. Uh, I personally did not like this game all that much. I think it's okay. It's average. I don't think I'd be going back to the game anytime soon. However, having said that, I do appreciate the charm that this game has to offer and the and the unique things that they're at least trying to go for here in, in this game. I would highly recommend it to anybody out there who enjoys a difficult game, who enjoys space shooters, um, who definitely wants to kind of see um, uh, what this um, what a very different. Uh, shooter geek game can offer. It's very unique. It's very difficult. There's nothing. There's nothing very. I never. I've never played anything quite like this before. I'm a pretty big fan of space shooters. Going. You're going way back from the days of like um, Gradius uh, back in the arcades, like in the mid '80s, all the way up to the current games, the bullet hell games uh, that are currently out there, like Igaruga. Um, this is definitely a very unique game. I'm glad I played it. It definitely has some challenging factors to it. Um, I just don't think it compares very well to when held up to Gradius and Axley and the other really good space shooters that are space shooters that are available for both the Super NES and the Genesis that came out came out uh, during this time period. Yeah. Um. So having but having said all that, this game is pretty unique and obscure. So I really don't think too many people out there have played it. Um. Which is definitely one of the reasons that definitely one of the reasons that we're going to cover cover it uh, like you guys. And uh, being being a pretty unique game, uh, I don't. Um, I'm not sure how much feedback that we got for this game. Uh, Chad, anybody have any memories uh, playing this game back in the day or whatnot? I I had very few. I'm not surprised. <laughs> but I got more than what I thought. Yeah, yeah, I got more than so what, what got, I thought I would. So what um, do you got for us? Yeah. All right. Uh, I posted it on the Retro Junkies. It's in uh, Rob Tui says R.I.P. Jellico. Oh, I know, man. Just, I mean, they had. Like I said, most of their games it. just did. Most of their games just elicited a very meh reaction from me. Uh, they, they, you know, yeah. they tried. They just didn't have very many like good games. They played it too safe. I feel like. Um, Corey L. Ellis says, "Love the game so much. It's sad it's still on my flash drive, and I can't even access it." Um, Corey Ellis is. He mixes music and that kind of thing. Uh, he's very good. So, I mean, I commented, I said, oh, yeah, that's probably some music you can mess around with. Sort of easy jams, but still. And, uh, you know, 
I would like to see him do something with it. But um, Juan Jacino says, first budget game I ever bought, 1999 at KB Toys. Good times. And um, and let me see. Da, 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 da. We kind of got off subject. Sorry, guys. Um, Tim Purcell Jr. says, actually one of the best and one of my favorite shooters on the system. So, and John Phillips says, great game, great in the arcades as well, very memorable. So, yeah, uh, a few responses, but there's still more than what I was expecting. I didn't, I didn't think anybody else really played it that much. Seriously, so, seems yeah. one of those, seems one of those uh, uh, fairly obscure, forgotten games that do, forget games that still has a pretty uh, hardcore following of dedicated fans like in this day. Uh, so, so it's nice to see that. So it's nice to see the game has that at least. Yeah, you know, and um, for any of you actually wondering, no, this isn't. Um, this isn't connected to any of the modern Earth Defense Force games. So you don't actually have to go back to play it because of that. It is its own separate entity. I meant to mention yeah. that earlier. Uh, thanks for reminding me. Uh, yes, uh, this game is nothing. This game is nothing. Has nothing in common with your like their Defense Force games that came up with the Xbox. Um, so I, I, I guess the name. I guess the name had become available and said it was a cool sign name. What, if, what is a cool sign name? So um, I can't fault him for that. Um, <laughs> so right. Yeah. So. Um, so, in hindsight, uh, this is definitely a very unique shooter. Uh, I personally say for hardcore shooter fans only, uh, but Chad definitely, Chad definitely is more, uh, optimistic and favorable, favorable like the game. Um, so take your own, um, opinion from what we said about it and, uh, about deciding, about deciding they want to play the game or not. Uh, the best of the, 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 the last parting advice I can give you is that if you do decide to play the game, um, in, in emulation, Definitely use save states. It's definitely very helpful and can help you save some aggravation uh, uh, in trying to get through some of the difficult stages like this game. Oh, yeah. Test out your different weapons. Um, my taste might not be your taste. It does help to experiment and just kind of work your way through. Oh, in options, there is the option of normal and hard, and you can adjust how many continues you get. That's true. You can go to max of five, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You go okay. to max of five on which it. will help a little bit, um, at least. <laughs> so <laughs> it does help quite a bit. It may just kind of, I don't know, um, extend the pain. <laughs> but <laughs> uh. <laughs> it helps me quite a bit whenever I'm trying to face a boss, but at the same time, you're still going to. One of my biggest, one of my biggest aggravations like this game. If you just, if you just change that, let your ship come back on screen where you die, like most space shooters do, would have really helped some of the aggravation with this game. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so we are going from uh, a port of an arcade game uh, from this week, talking about a sequel of an, a sequel of like an arcade game next week. Uh, because next week's game, we were talking about Cubert 3, uh, which was a Super NES-only uh, um, sequel to the classic arcade game Cubert. And we were also going to be we were also very lucky next week. Like we we're going to have another special guest star uh, with us here um, on the show talking about Cubert 3, uh, Ferg, from the Charge of Game by Game podcast. Uh, this is one of his favorite games. And he definitely was happy to come on here to talk about it with it because he definitely has the most experience with the game compared to the two of us. Uh, Cuber Three is another, three is another one of those games that I had no idea had come out with the system, didn't even know about its existence. When Ferg mentioned to me about, about, about a couple months ago how much he would like the game, I was like, "What? Cuber Three? <laughs> yeah, I've I've never I have never played it on the Super Nintendo. I played the crap out of it on Atari. And I love the one on Dreamcast. I believe the one on Dreamcast is just a straight-up port that they messed with, which they did well. But I didn't know that they came out with one for the Super it, Nintendo. It's something I've like forgotten game, just like the one we're like, like we talking about this week. So um, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun to have Ferg on here uh, with us next week. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And in weeks to come, we're going to have 
at least one, possibly two more uh, uh, special uh, guest hosts coming on the show talking about, to talk about some of their favorite games with us. So, um, definitely some, definitely some special guest hosts coming on. There's definitely some big popular games coming up, you know, coming up pretty soon in weeks to come. So we're going to, so we're going to start talking about some of the biggest games for the system, for the system, as well as some of the more hidden, you know, hidden obscure gems for it. So stay tuned to the podcast, like in weeks to come. So, uh, Chad, it was great talking to you about this game. I, I certainly can appreciate why, I can certainly appreciate why I enjoyed this game so much, uh, back in the day. It, it definitely could be, um, a frustrating but a very challenging game. I think you definitely, I think you definitely can see that you get your money's worth out of it. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, I'm also looking forward to talking to Ferg. Man, I've never, I've never done a podcast with Ferg. I, I feel like the man is uh, <laughs> me, but that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I I love talking these games over with you. Greg. Definitely same with you, Greg. Definitely same Thanks here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so let me just like remind people, like remind people real quick how they get in touch with us. Um, our main email address is the Super NES Podcast at yahoo.com. You can also reach both Chad and myself on Facebook, uh, like in the uh, like in the pages the pages that are established on there. Uh, you can also find me on Atari Age, and it's like a name, it's like I'm using the name of Soul Blazer. Podcast is also available for your listening pleasure on iTunes and on Stitcher. Oh yeah, you can also find me on the Retro Junkies. So um, yeah, just kind of, and we also, like I said, have the group page, and we have certain, and we do have the uh, the SNES uh, podcast, just the regular page. So just kind of like us on there and. Get with us. Okay, so we very much appreciate you listening to this podcast. Uh, thank you very much for your help and support in the past. And we definitely look forward to hearing from your feedback and comments and suggestions like for future episodes. Uh, so stay tuned for stay tuned next week for for in depth uh, game discussion with Ferg on Cuber Three. And thank you very much uh, like for support and have a good day. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good week. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game, or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep of power.